Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come together to um, learn about marketing, but not just marketing in a worldly perspective, but in a biblical perspective. So we pray that your Holy Spirit be with us, open our eyes, that uh, we may learn something new. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So a little bit of back, if for guys that didn't read our bio, my name is Gabriel McClover. My wife, Vonnell, and I, we own and operate a restaurant in Somerville, Georgia called the Vineyard Vegetarian Cafe and Juice Bar. But prior to that, I spent almost 10 years in the corporate world. I was in various sales and marketing positions. I worked for three Fortune 500, company, three Fortune 500 companies um, doing various um, sales in a lot of different positions, marketing, um, different with CRM packaging, uh, which is customer relationship management. So I got a, I got a good experience on um, working territories, uh, developing marketing strategies, and how to penetrate. So, and I think what makes me to quali- qualify me to teach a class like this is the four years that I uh, uh, were running uh, the restaurant, because I were able to take principles from corporate America and then mingle them and mix them with uh, doing medical missionary work and doing God's work. So I want to share these things for you as we go along. You're going to hear testimonies. I like telling stories, so you're going to hear a lot of testimonies of, of what we do in the restaurant. Um, but I, I know most of the people who come, they, they want to, if, you, if you're a market gardener or if you're somebody who's interested, an entrepreneur interested in, in marketing their business, these are some of the, the, some of the goals that I would think. You know, grow my business, gain more customers, expand new markets, add new product offering. Is that, you think that, is that pretty consistent with everybody in here? Okay. So when I think of marketing and marketing my business, these are the first things that came to my mind when I opened the restaurant, right? So how do I grow my business? How do I gain more customers, right? How do I expand new markets? What products do I add? What products do I, to, do I, uh, do, do I offer on the menu? You know what? So all these questions started coming in my mind, and the Lord reminded me of a text. And we all know that text. It's found in Matthew chapter 19, 28, verse 19 and 20. And what does it say? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So this is known as the Great Commission. So we said, I think a lot of people said, this class, marketing class, I want to grow my business. The main thing that popped in our mind was what? Grow my business, gain more customers, spend new markets, add new product offering. But nobody said anything about the Great Commission. So... The question is, and you know how the devil likes to, we like to, like to rationalize things. You know, well, you know, uh, maybe uh, this is only for ministers or disciples, you know, ministers, you know, and, and Bible workers and, and those type of people. Those type of people does the work. I need to run my business. Business is business and it's separate, right? I thought the same thing. And so are we to separate business and ministry? No. I hear no. I hear yes. No. Yeah, because the, the title of the class is God's Plan and Marketing. So obviously there, there is some commingling that's going to be taking place. But when we think about marketing, 
we think about marketing and business, these things don't, the goal of the soul never comes up. We think about growing our business. How do I get more, get more customers? How do I gain? How do I gain? How do I gain? So here's a, here's a quote. So should be, uh, business and ministry be separated? I'd like to give some backup. This is from Review and Herald, February 21st, 1893, paragraph 5. God has given to every man a work to do in connection with his kingdom. Each one professing the name of Christ is to be an interested worker, ready to defend the principles of righteousness. The work of the gospel is not to depend solely upon the ministers. Every soul should take an active part in advancing the cause of God. Just talked about that. But instead of this, how many in our large churches and small churches come and go like a door upon its hinges, feeling no responsibility for the progress of the work, no interest in the salvation of souls for whom Christ died. They do not dream of weaving their religion into their business. They say religion is religion and business is business. They believe each has a proper sphere, but let them be separated. But in whatever calling the Christian is found, he has his work to do for the Lord and representing Christ to the world. So as we're in this class, we may have a business. We may look to open a business. But we need to make sure that we are incorporating what the Lord has told us to do in our Great Commission. So this is going to be kind of theme of class. I wish I had a dry erase board. Because this is going to be, that what I got highlighted, this is what we're going to be, I'm going to be highlighting this throughout uh, the lecture. So but whatever calling the Christian has found, he has work to do in the Lord, representing Christ to the world. Whatever may be your occupation, we are to be missionaries, having our chief aim, the winning of souls to Christ. So when you think of chief aim, is that number one, number two, number three? That's, that's the main objective. So as I'm figuring out ways to grow my business, am I, am I figuring out ways, ideas maybe to start a business? My chief goal is for the salvation of souls. The goal is the soul. So if this is not our interest, what do we do? We rob God of influence, of time, of money, and effort. And withholding our heart service from the Lord, we fail to benefit our fellow man and thus rob God of the glory that will flow to him through the conversion of others. This is from Review and Herald, uh, February 21st, 1893, paragraph 5. So we're robbing God. So God has given you, hey, you know, I'm, this is even for folks in the corporate world, even for me. And when I was in the corporate world, God didn't place me there and give me that job, open so many doors for me to sit at a, a corporate table and go to a luncheon just to sit there and just eat all the food that they eat and, and do what they do. No, God has placed you there to be a light unto the world. So our businesses, our market gardeners or whatever we, whatever we may do, it needs to have our chief aim is for the salvation of souls. And obviously, we've got to be very practical with this, right? You're not going to go there and start passing out ministry of healings every time somebody comes to the restaurant. I did that. <laughs> Didn't work. You know, it, it was funny because, you know, we, we started off and we were so gung-ho. You know, we we're like, yeah, everybody coming here, they're getting a ministry of healing. And what we found that people... <laughs> People probably didn't just want a sandwich. They didn't want they didn't want they didn't want religion right now. They just want a sandwich, you know. 
So we, we had to scale back. And I, had to, and I said, Lord, you know, what am I doing wrong? And I found this quote. We all know this quote, right? Christ's method alone will give true success and reason to people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired the good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. So I said, okay, Lord, how can I mingle with somebody if I'm throwing a book at their face and telling them to read it? And it just wasn't the right time. I'm going straight. I'm skipping all these steps and say, hey, man, you need to follow Christ. Let's go. But I like what it says right here. It will give true success. I remember my pastor, he, 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 he was preaching a sermon. He used this quote and he says there's a difference between true success and perceived success. Big difference. So we may look at it and say, wow, look how many people have been baptized. Wow, look at that. And it looks on the outside as perceived success. But is it really true success? Because when they come next year, most of all those people got baptized are not even in the church. So is it really true success? So the Savior mingled with men as one desire their good. And we're going to talk about that as we go along, because this is how I were able to market our business in our, in, in our, in our community. And he showed his sympathy for them. Now, I said, sympathy, what does that mean? Because a lot of times we kind of skip over this. You hear the sermon, they say, we minister into their needs, we show the sympathy, and then we bid them to follow me, won their confidence, and we move on. I'm like, what does sympathy mean? So I started doing some research. And this is what I found. So what does sympathy mean? If we love Jesus, we shall love to live for him, to present our thanks offerings to him, to labor for him, the very labor, labor will, give, will be light. For his sake, we shall covet what? What? We don't, Christians, we don't want pain. Seven days, we don't want no pain. Covet? You know what covet means? <laughs> covet pain and toil and sacrifice. Most folks don't want to sacrifice nothing. Toil? Hard work? Oh, man, this is hard work. I'll be talking about that tomorrow, tomorrow morning, about hard work and overwork. Those are two totally different things. We shall feel the same tender, well, I'm sorry, we shall sympathize with his longing for the salvation of men. We shall feel the same tender craving for souls that he has felt. So, as we go to Christ's method alone, and we see, okay, we're mingling with one is desired a good, that sympathy is as I'm talking to them, as I'm mingling, it's saying, how can I connect this soul to Christ? What can I do? What can I give up? What can I sacrifice? Is there something that I, I can do for this soul to be in the kingdom? That is what Christ desires of us. So with that in mind, that in line, as, we, as we're moving along in this, uh, in this discussion, and as we're, as we're thinking about growing our business, as we're thinking about doing market gardening, all these different things, if we don't have this, we need to ask the Lord for this every single day. You know, one of my prayers, I said, Lord, you know, when I'm talking to somebody, because one thing we do at our restaurant and we go a little bit, we, we do uh, what we call a 10-day health challenge. We call it Let the Healing Begin 10-Day Health Challenge. And we work with about 500-something people, just me and my wife and, the, and one employee. And the, but we work with 500 people. I probably did five, 600 health consultations. And I, as I sit now with somebody and I'm saying, how do I connect them to Christ? And you, see, and you feel the suffering and the pain, and, and you're like, man, if they can just get to this light. Oh. And it's, uh, 
it's quite, uh, it's quite humbling. It's quite humbling. But God is calling us to greatness. He's calling us to greatness. And when I think of greatness, you know, one thing I, when I was in a corporate world, one thing was very difficult for me was the praise, right? You do good. You, you, you meet as sales expectations and, they, and they're like, wow, you're just, you're the best salesman ever. Da, 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 da. And they put you on stage and they're giving you a award. And I'm like, this is like, I can't deal with this. I told them, I cannot deal with this. And so it's not greatness in, from a worldly perspective, right? And it was, it was very tough for me. And the Lord had to show me uh, that it's not, that I'm not doing it for the praise. I'm doing it for the glory of God. I'm doing it unto the Lord. And you got to put that in all glory, glory goes to the Lord. But so what is the biblical definition of greatness? We know the worldly definition of greatness. Oh, that man's great because he got a lot of money or he has a big business or whatever, whatever. He's a great man. The biblical definition of greatness. He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. So. This was amazing. You know, the, the disciples were talking about who will be the greatest, who will be the greatest in the kingdom. I want to be, because he's thinking from a worldly perspective, oh, I want to be elevated. I want to see your right hand. I want to see your left hand. I want to be great. I want to be great. I want to have the biggest business. I want to get on stage and I want to say, look at what I did this year. I'm great. And then God says, no, the greatest among you will be the greatest servant. The greatest servant. So to think about this, and we're going to talk a little bit more as this go along. What did Jesus do, right? What did Jesus do? So, so even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So again, all this is in light of market, gardening, all market, I mean, uh, marketing your business, right? So these, I want to set the foundation before we get into some very practical things. So to serve others. This is Christ. Christ is our example. First John chapter 2, verse 6, he says, He that abideth in me ought himself to walk even as he walked. This Christ is our example. We're following his example. And as we're walking in the footsteps of Christ, what did Christ do? Acts 10, 38, it says, he went around doing good. And we're going to talk a little bit more as we go along. I'm kind of, but, so, so wait, let, let me just make sure we got this foundation. We talk about, okay, let's, let's by way of review, right? What is our chief aim? The salvation of souls, right? Do I need to go back to the quote? I need some unison, man. I'm going back to the quote. <laughs> this is, this is, then we're going back to the quote. So whatever may be our occupation, we are to be missionaries, having our chief aim what? The winning of souls to who? To Christ. Okay. I'm going to keep on coming back because when we leave this class, this is what we want. This is our chief aim while we grow a, while we grow a carrot. Win souls to Christ. No matter what we do, on a, no matter what we do, that is our chief aim. That's our number one goal. So it's not, well, how many pounds of, you know, cucumbers did we make this? Oh, look at how much we made. No, no, no. How many, how many souls did we win this month? Did we have any Bible studies? Did we invite any, anybody over our house, like uh, Brother Luke was saying this morning? Did we, did, did, we, did we show the love of Christ to somebody? This should be our aim. So as we move along, don't make me go back to that slide. So he who is greatest among you shall be a servant, right? And we, we know Christ is our example. And so this, this is all the context as we move on to some very practical things. So, okay. So, question. What do these companies have in common? 
before they open the location. And we see all these different symbols, so we know who these places are. What do they all have in common before they open a new location? Does anybody know? Property. What was that? Property. Demographic. Demographic. Ah. They do what they call market research. Market research. So where am I going to place this? That's why you go and you see Whole Foods, right? And you're like, Whole Foods. Why is Whole Foods not in the middle of the country, in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> well, it's nothing but a bunch of Dollar Generals around here, right? Because Whole Foods, no, if I put a, if I put a, if I put a, a, a store here, nobody's going to come. Because everybody used to go in and getting dollar, you know, a bunch of stuff with high fructose corn syrup and GMO. So they're not going to put their, their, their business there and invest a lot of money there. What they're going to do is they're going to find a, 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 a particular area that is their median income has to be a certain place. Uh, they got to make sure that uh, whether it's a w more women demographic or is there a gym in the area, what, are there the healthy options in the area? So, okay, now this is the place that we're going to drop our restaurant or, or, or our store. So I'll, this, is, this was found, this is in Luke chapter 16, verse 8. For the children of the world of this world are in this generation wiser than the children of light. You know, sometimes, you know, I go and we go to different churches and, and uh, you know, we do 10-day challenges and different things at other churches, and it's like, okay, we're gonna, we want to do something in the community. And they were like, well, we're going to go out and we're going to pass out surveys, and we're going to get the information, and we're going we're gonna to develop a program, and then we're going to hit it. That's a great idea in 1985. <laughs> just keeping it real. You can just Google, do, 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 do. And you say citydata.com or something like that, and you say, tell me what's going on in this city. Oh, they break down the demographics. They break down, you know, even health. How many people got diabetes? How many people on medication? How many? So you get all this information. So how much easier to go to go to the, go to the door and say, Hey, here's. Would you like to fill out a survey? I'm trying to go over my church. No, I'm, I'm not interested. No, 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 I'm not interested. Oh, okay, and then you got it, and then, and then lying on the survey, and you come back, and you got some not not very good data, and you're trying to develop programs for that. Or you can just go do your research and say, Well, 80% in this this community has diabetes. Okay, so I'm going to the door. Hey, we're having a uh, reversing diabetes program. Are you, are you interested in coming? Oh, yes, I have diabetes. How did you know? <laughs> and we try to do things so, we, we just, everything is hard. Why are we making things hard? Jesus says my burden is easy. <laughs> easy. So if we're using the technology, using the tools, it's, it's just very, very, very simple. And now as we do our market research, even if, we're, even if we're growing, I mean, in our area, don't, they don't know what kale is. Like, hey, you, I'm a, hey, would you like kale? What is kale? I don't know what kale is, but here we are. You say, well, I, I came to an ad agra, and they make huge margins on kale, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow kale. But your market don't even know what kale is. Does that mean, you know what I mean? We need to do market research and be wise. So what is market research? So this is the definition of market research. Market research is a process of collecting, analyzing, interpreting data about your target market, consumers, competitors, and the industry as a whole. So here, this class is in context of a market gardener. Okay, where is my market within, where am I going to be selling my produce, right? You can grow food. The problem always is, I can grow a ton of food, but who's going to buy it? Where, how do I, get, how do I get, get to the consumer, right? So market research is very important. 
you know, and I always tell people, like somebody asked a question, we were doing a seminar, and it was like, well, what do you guys charge for your 10-day challenge? I said, well, the market dictates what the pricing is, right? I can't go in my town, and somebody came here and said, well, I'll get $5 a pound for my tomatoes. You can't get, you're not getting that in my town. <laughs> be, they'll be like, $5, they'll chase you out of town with $5. But in other areas, that's a bargain. So you gotta say, okay, if I'm gonna be a market gardener, what areas do I wanna hit? What's the median income? Very, 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 very important. Again, we need to be wise as we're marketing our businesses, as we're trying to introduce products. We want to be wise because if you're not, you're going to waste money, you're going to waste time. So this is a little graph. So you got market planning. So now with all this information that you gather, now you can start strategically planning the market. So here, this is me, you know. So we had our restaurant and here we go. And we had partners and they... They had to go to China on a, a wonderful mission, so we, we, had to, we took over the restaurant. And here we are, so we're, we're doing this thing, and I'm, I, I'm coming out of the corporate world, and I'm like, okay, we're going to make this thing work. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty determined guy. And I said, we're going to make this thing work. So I'm starting to say, what do I do? Okay, oh, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that, and I'm, I'm praying like, okay, Lord, how do I do? What, how much money do I put in marketing? Da -da 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 -da. And God's like, just do my work, and you get all the marketing you need. I said, huh? So I took a step back. And I said, hmm, okay. So I went back into that, that quote. The chief aim is for the salvation of souls. So, okay, I have something that the world needs, which is a health message. They just don't know they need it. <laughs> like everybody needs to eat more plants and vegetables. They just don't know we need it. So how do I, how do I connect that dot? So I started doing some research and I said, okay. And uh, my, there was a lady who came, she just came from a lifestyle center. Anybody know Barbara O'Neill? So she went to, she came back from, Barbara O'Neill was in Living Springs over in Alabama, and she came back and she had fibromyalgia, and she just had amazing, amazing results, and she was getting off all the medications, and she was just gung-ho, and she came and sat in the office, and I was like, this is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, you know, you hear it live, and it just was rejuvenating as I'm, as I'm trying to do research, and then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, you know, the people that we work in the community, they, they all need to go to a lifestyle center. And then I said, yeah, she's like, yes, yeah, but I'm like, but... The people we talk to, they can't afford it. We, our median income in our, in our town is like $24,000 a, a year. They can't go afford five, $6,000 in some of these places to, to go and, and to get rejuvenated and refreshed. And then I'm like, well, if they, they can't even get off of work for seven to 10 days and still have a job when they come back. This is a problem. So I said, hmm, maybe if we can, again, my idea is, how do we win souls to Christ, right? This was, this was the main goal. I said, hmm, how do, we, how do we get them the health message to bring down this prejudice? You know, I always say, has anybody, you know, my family, you go to a barbecue, you know, uh, you know there, there's some liquid libations going on and everybody's all this, this and that, and you're trying to get them to calm down. Anybody try to argue with somebody who's drunk before? <laughs> it's just... It's just not good. It's just really unproductive. You might get something. They might, they might say, you know, yeah, okay. But it's, it's all, uh, really difficult to argue, har argue with somebody who's drunk. But don't you know the Bible says that the nations are drunk of their wine, therefore the nations are mad. Jeremiah chapter 30, uh, 51 verse 7 says, uh, Babylon has been a golden cap in the hand of the Lord who made the war earth drunken. That the nations have drunk of their wine, therefore the nations are mad. So everybody's drunk with the wine of Babylon. And here we are, we say, you know, you know when you're dead, you're dead, right? You know, you, you're dead, no, not anything. And they're, they're literally drunk. And you're trying to get them the truth. So God has brought the health message.
to clear that mind. I don't have time to go into gut and the mind connection, but you clear that mind. Now they're able to receive divine truth. So the health message, that's why the health message is the right arm of the gospel. We've got to lead with the health message. That's why this conference is so important. Amen. Goodness gracious, this conference is so important. I get so excited. All right. So market research. I'm getting back into my presentation. Got a little tangent. What I was going, no, I wasn't done yet. So talking about, so we, we're developing this program. And I said, you know what? How about we do this? I said, how about we put people on a plant-based diet for a certain amount of time? And see what happens. And they're kind of getting the effects of a lifestyle center, but they're not at a lifestyle center. And we're like, that's, and we just started developing a plan. And we say, okay, so I got to my local church. I'm like, okay, this is what we're planning. You know, you guys are doing a health expo. How about we, how about we just say, we, we're going to put somebody through this plan for 10 days. We're going to give them a plant-based diet and we're going to put them through God's plan. And we're going to see what happens. And they were like, that's a great idea. Uh, how do we how can we be a part of it? And I said, OK. And then and so they end up sponsoring some people to go through the program. And we developed this program and we say, OK, we're going to we're going to do this because the goal was the soul. We went out. We had a health expo. We had over 100 and something people come out in a little town of Somerville with 400 people. I mean, 4000 people. I'm sorry. I mean, that's 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 a big, big chunk. And we had about 50 people said, I want to sign up for this 10 day health challenge. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> OK, so we whittle that number all the way down to 15. We ran through the program. God's plan. And the people were tremendously blessed. We have people who, I mean, average weight loss was about seven or eight pounds. The whole group lost like 50-something pounds together. And it just was a tremendous, a tremendous blessing. And guess what? After we did that program, the word started spreading. But I, I'm going to show, I'm going to share with that a little bit later. So a little bit about Somerville. I'm from Somerville, so, so health and community is definitely an issue. Median income, 23534 Oh. You're not getting $5 a pound for tomatoes there. Depression is an issue. 95% Southern Baptist. Do you think that's important? I think that's very important, you know, because now you got to say, okay, what, what do, now if this was 95% Catholic, now you have to go in there. You know, it, it's, it, your strategy as a church or as a business changes with the demographics. So 95% of the people are Southern Baptists. Okay, so now, okay, now what we're doing, I got to understand that people may believe in speaking in tongues. They may be doing this, you know, so as you're talking with people in the community, you understand that nine, pretty much nine out of 10 people are Southern Baptists, right? Uh, 80% of the people in our community approximately are on, on some type of medication. Can we help out with that, with that health message? Oh, yeah. oh, yes, we can help out. Top 10 in common lifestyle disease in Georgia, and their access to healthy food is, is very limited. So you have all these things in the place, right? So I started to get, so as a re I started to get, I started to get involved in the community, started to assess what's going on. And one of the things you need to develop as a business is uh, like an elevator speech. Anybody heard of elevator speech before? So if you don't have one as, as a business, uh, you're really doing yourself a disservice because you need to understand when you're talking to somebody who's, I got three different elevator speeches. I'm talking to, if I'm talking to somebody who's churched, I got somebody who's an atheist, and I got one for corporate America. You know, so, so for instance, you know, like they, they, you know, for somebody who's atheist, right? I say, you know, Oh, so yeah, you know, I said, you know, as we as we're mingling with men as one to desire to good, right? So I'm going into I'm getting involved in local meetings. Saying, what in the world's going on in this community? Is there a meeting I can come to and just go sit down? Like most Adventists, this is what Adventists want to do. We got all the truth. 
So they go to a meeting and say, I, I want to talk. I want to I say something. I got so much truth I want to throw up on you, right? <laughs> Instead of just going there and just sitting down, like my grandmother just said, boy, go sit down somewhere. <laughs> so I would go sit. You just go in there and you sit down and you look for opportunities Amen. to serve. Just sit down and look and you just say, okay, wow, there's no exercise program here. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's something I can do. Okay, walking club maybe. And your ideas have started populating in for this particular area. So it's no cookie cutter thing because every area is different. You sit there and you just get involved and not try to. So if you go into, oh, they got a walking club. Don't go and say, hey, you know what? The Seventh-day Adventist Church has been, we, we got the health medicines, 18 something, something, and we know all about this. No, 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 no. You just go there and just walk. Just walk. And then as you, as you start to get to know people, mingle with them in one, one desire they're good, guess what? They're going to start sharing more things with you. And you're going to start to gain more and more influence. I'll tell this quick story. Yes, I'll tell this quick story. So we were, we were, um, we were, uh, we were working in uh, the community, and I saw they didn't have access to food, healthy food. So I said, you know, we need to start a community garden here. That would be pretty cool. So I just kind of threw the idea out. I said, man, I wish we could, you know, I'm just thinking about it. And then one day a lady comes in the restaurant out of the blue. And she goes, man, I, would I have a little piece of property in town. It's about a quarter of an acre. It's fenced off. I would love to do a community garden there sometime. Here, here's, here's my name and number. And uh, just let me know. So I had put it under the register, right? And then I just was kind of, you know, you get busy, right? And then somebody else a couple months later said, hey, community garden. I said, wait a minute, because we had a group now, because I can't manage everything. You can't do it. You can't be Hercules and try to do everything. So I said, you know what? Somebody says, I'd like to manage it. I'm like, where's that lady's number? I called her up and I said, oh, yeah, she's, I'm still interested. So I just put it on Facebook, anybody interested in the community garden, come to the vineyard. And about 30 some odd people showed up. I'm like, whoa, okay. So now we got this thing going, right? And I'm like, okay. So now we're, now we're, now we're, now we're, now we're getting, getting into the, to the, to the nitty gritty and then, all of a sudden, we, we, didn't, we needed funding, and people wanted to donate money to us, and I'm like, I'm, not a non, I'm, a non, I'm a for-profit, I'm not a non-profit. So we got, ended up getting the government involved. You know what happens then. Everything just, just halts, which is really, really frustrating. So the, you had all this momentum, and, it just, and everything just, just halted. But long story short, we end up, we had a, we, again, this 30-second elevator speech, right? So somebody came into the restaurant. This was a couple months ago. And he heard about the community garden. And he comes in there and he comes in. He goes, what, tell me what, what's going on. And I, so I give him that, the whole elevator speech about this and that, this and that. And he goes, I'm so sick of the government. How, how, much, how much is it? I told him the price. And he says, I'll write a check for it. I'll make this thing happen. And it's like, okay, so now we saw a need. And so what do we do? We, we, so I, there's two things I like to say. And I, I, I believe, you know, when Christ taught, he's taught with such simplicity that even the children can understand. So I ran this by my kids first before I bring it to y'all, right? A giver or a taker. Pretty simple, right? A giver, someone who devotes himself completely. There are no greater givers than those who give themselves. Taker, a taker, a person who takes a specific thing. So giver and a taker. So is your business or, or, or whatever, is it a, are you a giver or are you a taker? Are you somebody who adds value to your community? 
Or you some that says, you know, I just want to sell some produce, make my little money, and say, yeah, I want you to be healthy from afar. And you just buy my produce and go be healthy. You know, this is, these are the two totally different things. So me and my wife, we, you got you to gotta fight me because I like to add value. You're going to have to fight. We go to people's houses and they're like, hey, could you come and eat? I said, okay, we'll come and eat. I got a big family. You know, I got five kids. So, you know, we got an army. You know, we got a, and they like a locust. They'll devour all the food. <laughs> so we bring, we bring enough food for ourselves and we bring enough food for the people there. Because yeah, you, and we, you're not going to take, you're going to have to fight me to add value. I'm going to add value to no matter where I go, right? And so even, and so people come and say, don't bring nothing. I gave you, better not bring nothing. Fine, I don't come bring nothing. So what I go, we go down, me and my wife, we sit down, and we just look for opportunities to serve. And we got one, one family, they got to hide, they got to hide the broom and the rags from us because we're going to start cleaning up. It's all about, it's all about adding value. So is your business adding value to your community? This is a good way to check out. If, some, if your business was taken out of your town, will anybody notice? Oh, such a, I think somebody used to sell some produce around here. Well, I don't remember their name, but the tomatoes show was good. And that was it. No impact. Tomatoes was good, but you as a person, no, no impact. Um, so adding value is very, very important. So with this community garden, before that, so this is what, before that guy came in and wrote a check, this is what, this is the reason I was telling this story. So we came in there, we, we, had, we were talking about opening a, a community garden. There was a lady from the North Georgia Council, uh, Cancer Coalition. They were applying for a grant. They heard that we wanted to do a community garden. They put that in the grant letter. And guess what? They won the grant, a $100,000 grant, because we wanted to do a community garden. So you think we add value to this community? When you get a $100,000 grant, they end up didn't give us no money for the community garden, but they got the grant and they put it in other places. <laughs> but they know who we are in town, and they know that we care for the community. Uh, we had uh, a lady who invited us. They have this big fair, and we do kids' cooking schools. And they said, could you do a kids' cooking school for this county fair? But we know, this is what they said, we know that you're not going to do anything on, Sab- on Saturday. So we've already pre-scheduled and cleared out this schedule so you can do one Thursday and you can do one on Sunday because we know you're not going to do nothing Friday night and Saturday. How do they know that? Now, we didn't go and say, hey, we're seven-day Adventists. We're seven-day Adventists. No, no, no. We don't tell anybody. But word spreads because we, when we tell people we're closed on Sabbath, they're like, why are you guys closed on Sabbath? They ask us. They say, you know, we're seven-day Adventists. And just leave it like that. And guess what people do? Seven-day Adventists. Oh, they keep the Sabbath, you know. Sometimes we're going to say, I keep, you know, I'm seven-day Adventist. And, you know, you're going to go to Genesis chapter the 19. You just tell them I'm seven-day Adventist. And just people got Google now. You just Google it. And they, so they know all about it. So they're like, oh, I heard you guys, you know, they, they, I heard you guys are seven-day Adventists. People call and say happy Sabbath to us. <laughs> Not even ab- So we, this, is, this is the impact that you can have in the community when you do marketing God's way. So getting involved is very, very important. So marketing when you think about marketing, people think about, you know, how much, how much money do, can I invest? You know, there's a lot of, the, you know, marketing dollars. I like to say time. Well, this is saying time is what? Time is money. So if you equate now, I knew when we were in, we were in the, when I was in the corporate world as sales, sales executive, we would literally calculate the hour, how much we make in an hour in the sales. And we're like, man, we're making more than doctors. 
because we, we break down how many hours we worked and what our salary was. Like, wow, we're making more than lawyers. This is pretty cool. So time is money. So on the farm, I know if you can say, if I don't have to weed all season, wow, how much more time would I have, right? And I can do other things. So now you're being more efficient on the farm. Now I got more time to go out and mingle with men as one is already good. Go to the homeless shelter and donate some food. I'm telling you, these folks are, you know, they, they get food like this one homeless shelter in town. See, I'm telling you, I, we, we're just so connected. Anybody want to hear anything? I go anywhere and everywhere to people to tell my story. As I'm, as I'm, as I'm doing, as I'm at the grocery store, we're having a conversation. Wow, you got, sure got a lot of vegetables there. Yes, yes, ma'am, you know. Do got a, oh, so what do you eat with those vegetables? Then I just, bam, you know, da 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 You know, boom. But they're like, wow, okay. And you always got little hooks in there, you know. You put little hooks and people, people. So I'll give you an example, right? So. I got this, so we deal with a lot of, with our 10-day challenge, right? We deal with a lot of like wealthy, worldly, well-educated people, right? So we go in there, and so I'm in a, one guy's office about big as this room. And we're sitting here, and we're, we're chatting, and he says, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, so uh, he said, uh, well, you know, what, what, you know, what, what do you do? Because the guy referred me. guy came in, and he's like, hey, you know, I said, what do you do? I said, you know, we, uh. Because the guy said, hey, tell him what you're doing, because we're working him on a 10-day challenge. I said, we're doing God's plan in nutrition. You know, it's a little hook. And he said, well, what's that? I said, well, since you asked, you know, <laughs> since you asked. And I started going in through it, and we started, we started, and all these different hooks were there, and, and, and we started having a conversation, and we got in some Bible, different Bible topics, right? But then he wasn't really interested. We ended up doing the, the healthy, uh, healthy aspect of it and gave him the health message, and he's doing a lot better. But we... To get back to what I was talking about, time is money. So we can take our, we don't have to necessarily invest monetary things, but we can invest our time into places. There was a, a, a brother of mine, he's, uh, he goes around, he preaches, and he says, um, you know, Adventist is, is known to give a lot of books. And I said, yeah. He says, you know what that reminds me of? He said, it reminds me of uh, a parent who gives their child toys because he don't want to spend time with them. And I was like, ooh, man, I'm taking that one. I said, that one's traveling with me, man. That was just, because it's right. We, we say, oh, here's a book. Go ahead and read it, you know. Here's a book. Go ahead and read it. But if you're talking to somebody, like, how, more, how much more powerful? Give them a ministry of healing. Oh, you depressed, man? Read ministry of healing. You'll be all right. <laughs> or you talk to them, and then you, and you, and you find, trying to find ways, and you, and you ministering to them. You're showing concern. You're showing that sympathy for And you say, listen, if any ch- chapter in this book that you want to read is mind cure." This chapter will help you so much. And you slide that book. And, you know, and, you know, and then you say, can I follow up with you? Can I pray with you? How much more powerful is that than just say, here's a book, here's a book, here's a book. I mean, certain instances, yeah, well, I, I go out. We're out in the country every Saturday afternoon. Me and my parents, me and my kids, we go out to some of the rural districts and we, we go pass out books because y'all can't get it. Unless, you know, you're way out here in the sticks. So we go out there and we pass out books. So there's different ways to do it. But, you know, we have to be very, very sensitive. So we talked about this, how Jesus went around uh, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by devils for those was with him. So one of the things that we talk about, if you if you are one of the things that we did in our in the restaurant is that, again, this 10 day challenge and the first 10 day challenge that we did, we do absolutely no marketing for our program. We don't we don't you go on our website, you maybe have one flyer about a 10 day challenge, not much details. You go to our Facebook page because we know if we market it, we, we won't be able to deal with 
the people who, who are going to be coming because this is more of an individual one-on-one -on -one type of thing. So all of our customers have been word of mouth. You're talking about 10 or 15 or 20 people a month, all word of mouth. And when you do it that way, when you do good to people, the, the word spreads, the publishing. So this is, this, is what, and this is what Jesus did. When Jesus went about doing good, this is what happened. So he charged them that they should not tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much more, a great deal, they published it. It said, return to thy own house and show how great things God have done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Luke chapter 8, verse 39. Acts 10, 37. That word I say ye know which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And lastly, Acts 13, 49, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. So if you do God's plan in marketing, which was taking market, market research, developing a strategic plan, not only to grow your business, but also to let people know what you do and that you care for them, people will start publishing. Can you imagine you go to the homeless shelter and you, you donate food? And they say, hey, why are you donate? You know, where do you get this food from? Well, I got a farm. Oh, what do you do at the farm? Well, we believe that, you know, the body is designed to heal itself, and we know the body will not heal without nutrition. So we, what we do, we provide high-quality nutrition to the people in the community. And just leave it at that. Wow, what else you guys do over there? Well, we provide these boxes that we deliver every single week. You know, if you're interested, here's my business card. And guess what? It's going to put right there, and they're like, man, who delivered that food? Man, these people right here delivered the food, man. This is a bunch of great folks. And all of a sudden, dude, you're getting ringed. Yeah, I was out in the homeless shelter, and they said, da 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 and you got 15 people, and all of a sudden, you got that network for just one act of goodness that you did. That's what happens. Because when we did our 10-day challenge, man, I'm going to tell you that first, man, we were like, we we're never doing this again. It was, it was a tremendous stress. We were dealing with some transitional-type things. Um, we had... We had the air conditioning go out. We had a lady in our 10-day challenge. Daughter went missing. It just was all these attacks, man. When the AC guy came up, the AC was out for five days. He comes up. He parks up. As soon as he put his car in park, the whole power on the block went out. I'm not even joking. It was like, boom. And I was literally crying. I'm like, we got to pray, man. This is like, and then after the 10-day challenge, we had the great results. It was worth it. And literally, after everybody left, we just literally just, everybody just fell on the floor. We had a lady, and we just like, never doing that again. But what happened? It got published. So this is our restaurant. This is me, my wife. And these are some of the people who went through our 10-day challenge. And we're like, oh, man. So they got, we're like, man, they came and said, I just read a newspaper. I'm like, what newspaper article? <laughs> we thought somebody just took a picture of us. And all of a sudden, it's in a newspaper. And we're like, oh, boy. And so it's like, veggie diet is success. Vineyard uh, Cafe provides 10-day health challenge. And we're like, okay. So we got people calling. When is your next 10-day health challenge? We're like, uh, we're never doing that again. That was just a, <laughs> a one-time thing. And, you know, maybe in a few months, and we, was, we had no interest in doing it again. And then the phone kept on ringing. phone kept on ringing. We're like, I'm not, my wife's like, I'm not doing that again. I said, okay. And then all of a sudden, our neighbor comes in. And she, you know, the Lord just know who to send, right? Neighbor comes in. I didn't know, I didn't know, that's, I didn't know eating veggies, vegetables can do that type of stuff. She goes, man, I got diverticulitis. She's like, I can't even go to the, I can't even go to church without running to the bathroom. And she, this was she, her exact words. If I don't find a solution, I just want to die. <sighs> you sure you're not having another 10-day health challenge? I looked at my wife, and we just looked at each other, and we just knew. Yeah, uh, maybe we can start one next Thursday. <laughs> and she's like, yes. 
So she signed it, and guess what? The whole class filled out. And we've been doing it ever since. And it's just beginning easier and easier. But by doing that, the Lord has opened doors. It's just been publishing and publishing to the fact that we deliver, we actually deliver food from our location in Somerville, Georgia, which is 4,000 4, population, um, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. It's not on the many main roads or anything. But we deliver all the way to Chattanooga. We go to Cartersville. We go to Darton. All the way in Northwest Georgia and in Chattanooga. So people who are interested in doing uh, a plant-based diet, 10-day health challenge, we, we use God's methods, which is using, using the gospel. And we don't hide it. You know, this is God's plan nutrition. I've done with atheists who are, you know, I had one atheist go through the program, and he goes, man, my blood pressure went down. I feel great. You know, I lost a lot of weight. You know, I got all down to my reach, my goals. He goes, but man, I'm just, I'm just so perplexed, man. Every time I turn, I can't even turn the news on. I can't even deal with this stuff, man. How do you do it? Well, since you asked. <laughs> and then now you, you go through a Bible study. Well, I believe, you know, you know I, don't, I don't worry about who's in office because I believe in that God says you remove kings and he sets up kings. So I'm like, it's not even me who's voting. If I vote, it's not it's God who's in control. So I don't even deal with it. So I don't worry about it because if he's there, that means God put, placed him there. He's like, huh? And I said, yeah, the Bible prophesies all this stuff is going to happen too. So all these perplexities you have with these wars and rumors of war, all, these, all this stuff. Is, so you're having a Bible study. He's like, really, really? Atheist guy. And it was like, and then, you know, you plant that seed. I call it stress-free evangelism. I plant the seed. You do whatever you want to do with it. You know, it's like, here, here's a pack of seeds. You know, you do whatever you want to do. You want to plant them or you don't. And I call it stress-free evangelism. So he, so he comes back months later. And it was so funny because he, he was talking about, um, so, he, so through this, he knew that we like to help people in the community. So there was actually a school in town that dealt with at, at-risk youth. And he, he pulls, he goes, well, you know, I don't read the Bible or nothing, he told me. I don't read the Bible or nothing, but I know somewhere in the Bible, Jesus always dealt with the people who were at, at the least. You know, he wasn't in the palaces and stuff like that. He said, it seems like to me, them folks over in that, uh, that room over, that, uh, that school over there, need the love of Jesus. And he's an atheist, so he say. <laughs> so he say. So this is what happens when you work in community. Not, let me, so we... We, as Adventists, we like to go in there, I'm, I'm gung-ho, and you go in there, and you dive in, and then after a month, you're like, man, you kind of go back and regurgitate back to where you were at. And the next year, oh, New Year's resolution, I'm going to go do evangelism, and you go. But God says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. It took us about a, a year, a year and a half to penetrate this community. People are like, okay. Are you a giver or a taker? You're just trying to open up community, open up a restaurant, take as much money as you can from us, and go home and, and make your money. But you don't care nothing about us. So after a year and a half, consistently with cooking classes at our restaurant. First cooking class we had, we had one person. Most people were like, failure, not doing it again. We did it again next month. And the same passion and enthusiasm me and my wife have for one person. You know, we just recently did a cooking class for 150-some-odd people. We've been in corporate settings doing cooking classes corporate America. So it's so beautiful when you have kind of a, you know, it's like a little, I'm a restaurant <laughs> with God's plan, you know. So I'm able to get into doors that a church cannot get into, right? Nobody's going to call a health ministry leader over at such and such church and say, hey, could you go to come to my uh, business and do a health lecture? No, that's how not going to happen because they look at it and say, no, we don't bring a church in here. But a business, I'm a business. Who happens to be an Adventist? Who happens to, happens to and so we, I'm able to go into uh, different, different, I mean, I just, I tell you this quick story. We actually, Lord, through word of mouth, through just, I don't do no advertising. Word of mouth, we got into one of the, lar the largest in this particular vertical. 
industry, the largest in the world. They called us and said, we got a problem in our company. 18,000 people are failing their health physicals every single year. Uh, can you help us? And I said, you know, I don't say no to nothing. I said, the Lord opened the door. All, my, all God's business is his enabling. So I said, okay, yeah, we'll see what happens. So we go in there, we meet. So I'm meeting with, they have a whole facility just for physicians, just for their company. So all, only, patient, only people from their uh, particular business comes to this. So we put all their doctors on a 10-day health challenge. So they want to see how it went. So I was just amazed. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a physician. I don't claim to be a physician. I'm just a business owner. And he's asking me about how much water should they drink a day? And the doctor asked me, well, you know, two and a half liters of water. You know, I'm going through this. Different thing. Well, you know, why this? And what, what is the difference between acid and alkaline? How, how do we do it? And I'm sitting there as I'm answering all these questions. I'm like, here I am. You know, I'm just, it's amazing. Like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, Lord, look where, look where you have brought me. And I get amazed like that almost every month. You know, I'm sitting in, like I said, I'm sitting in a, a huge building. I mean, huge office about the size of this room. He's got a couch area over there. He's got a workout area over here. His desk and his computer screen is about this big. And here I am sitting on his desk, sitting there with my, you know, I'm, I'm going, and we, we're having a conversation about God's plan and help. I went to a financial firm. You know, I'm a sales guy, you know, so I'm going in there. Yeah, I'm here to present, you know, and I, so I go and I invite everybody. So here I am in their corporate, corporate boardroom going through my health presentation about God's plan, closing them, and all of them sign up for a 10-day health challenge, and I'm delivering food to them. You know, this is, this is amazing. It's always word of mouth. So because it was published because you did the Lord's work. How much time do I got? So I'm going to open up. I'm going to finish up with this last slide because I can, I can do an eight-hour course on this. So Avondale College, Avondale School. So this is, this, is the, this is the crux of making an impact in the community. When I found this quote, it just blew my mind. So we all know a Sunday law is coming. We have Venice, we believe, we believe it's coming. So this, it, it actually was agitation happening in Avondale. So this is what happened. At our Avondale School near Corinbong, Australia, the, su the Sunday question came up for decision. It seems as if the lines were soon to be drawn so tightly about us that we should, we should not be able to work during Sunday. Our schools were situated in the hearts of the woods, far from any village or railway station. No one was living uh, uh, near enough to us to be distributed in any way, I mean disturbed by any way, by anything we might do. Nevertheless, nevertheless we were watched. The officers were urged to come around to inspect our premises, and they came. They could have seen many things if they had desired to prosecute us, but they did not appear to notice those who were at work. They had so much confidence in us as a what? People and so great respect for us on the what? Account of the work we have done in that community that they believe that they can trust us anywhere. Amen. Whoa! Sunday law passed. Leave them alone. They helped my grandmother. Don't even bother them. It says, many recognize the fact that the whole community had been transformed since we went there. A woman who was not a Sabbath keeper said to me, you would not believe me if I should inform you fully in regard to the transformation that has taken place in this community as a result of your moving here, establishing a school, and holding these little meetings. So we think of big meetings, little meetings. And if you, if you study Avondale College, they did... Um, they did um, you know, they, they went door to door. They started helping people. They did Christian help work. Um, one thing, uh, we got a friend over in Weimar College, and he does, uh, his name is uh, Narlin Edwards, and he, do, he does total campus involvement. So he gets the students once every Wednesday to go out, and they go out into community and start doing good. 
You need, you need some help moving? Yeah, sure, I'll go help you. And I'm going to, tomorrow we're going to be talking about it. It's a quote, and I'm going to pull it up. It said, uh, most people won't be reached unless they have disinterested service. I said, disinterested service. So I asked my daughter, you know, I always, again, I, I try to run things by my kids before I come and present it. And she goes, what does disinterested mean? I said, huh. And then we started just thinking about it. Oh, it's that giving and expecting nothing to return. You know, we is, oh, we did this hell. We did reversing diabetes. When are you going to come to my church? Here's a letter to say, we want you to come. So our whole outreach is come to my church, please. When are you going to come to my church? Versus do good. God bless you. Move on. Do good. God bless you. Move on. That's that's what we ought to do. Um, So. Keep this in your mind about your particular business, your particular aspirations, your farm or what have you. Are people saying that about you? Say, man, this community has changed because you're here. Your family's here on our block. Just our block. You just localize it to your neighbors. Your neighbor's saying that about Don't leave. We're going to miss you. We had a lady send an email to us in Somerville. And this was her email. She goes, my neighbor is selling her house. And it's not on the market yet. I said, I would love to have a seven-day Adventist as my neighbor. Because every one of you have I met... It was the nicest people in the world. I would love to have a Seventh-day Adventist as my neighbor. She sent us an email. Says, please, send it out to all your friends out there. I want a Seventh-day Adventist neighbor. And that was through us and through the community, our our church members as well, sharing the love of Christ. Because we work directly with our church in a lot of different things, too. So it's like, I want a Seventh-day Adventist as my neighbor. Because the goodness, every every one of you I've met has been the nicest people in the world. This is, this is the type of impact that we need to have in our communities. So, to me, yes, we can go and we can grow our business great. But how's that going to get us closer to going home? It's not. Now, we can talk about market strategy. We can, I can spend a whole hour, I can, hours just saying, okay, this is, a, this is the market knowledge. This is how we had Facebook. And we got a Facebook page, but, you know, I'm not really on. I'm, you look at our post. Our last post was somewhere in December somewhere. I mean, we was just saying we closed for the day. You know, it's, it's not really on it, but people communicate. We understand that people do communicate on Facebook. So we do have a Facebook page where people communicate, and we do need to get more active with it, Instagram, all that different stuff, but I'm just not there yet. So let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much of looking at a different perspective of marketing and how you are called us to be witnesses to you in this world, even through our business. And we pray, Lord, as we leave this place, that we can take these principles and apply it to our lives, our businesses, our streets, our neighbors, even today. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.